Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Look, folks, it's unlikely that we'll ever get a full and complete understanding of what was going on with Faisal Hussein, this 29-year-old who opened fire on a crowded street in Toronto Sunday night, killing two, wounding more than a dozen more. We are learning more about him. Uh, and, and I think it's fair to say at this point that, that he was a messed up guy. Now, that still doesn't answer all the questions about him, what was going on with him, why he did what he did. And there's still, of course, the national security question, whether this was motivated uh, to any extent by uh, ISIS or Islamic extremist ideology. Now, of course, as we told you the other day, ISIS has claimed responsibility for this. uh, But the evidence of a connection is still questionable, sketchy, uh, rather thin. But that's not to say there are not some potential indications that that may have been a factor. But as I say, and this is something that's been another side of all of this, is you know, what was going on with this guy? And were there signs of mental illness? And, and certainly there's a lot that's pointing in that direction as well. Again, one does not preclude the other. And uh, we may get to a situation where we can reasonably say there was some of both going on here. Uh, But some disturbing details uh, have come to light about warning signs uh, as far back as a decade ago involving this guy. And here's what a former teacher told Global News. I wasn't going to mention this to the news, but now it's all over the news that this kid was a student from Victoria Park, collegiate of the Victoria Park shooter. Ten years ago when he was in my class and I asked him, what does he want to do? He said to me, oh, I want to kill someone. I said, are you kidding me? Why? What did he do to you? He said, nothing. I just feel it would be really cool to kill somebody. I said, you're joking, right? He said, no. And this kid creeped me out. I mean, he was always polite and nice, but he creeped me out. He looked like he would kill somebody. We reported it to the police. The police did come. They actually took him away and handcuffed him under the mental health act. So it wasn't like we did nothing. It wasn't like the police did nothing. But after a couple of weeks, they released him because there was no immediate threat to him or to anyone else at the time that they could prove. This is 10 years ago. So obviously there was no immediate threat. But I can tell you. It creeped me out to this day. And then all of a sudden I saw him on the news and I went, oh, my God, that's the kid I had in my glass. Because, like, I wrote his name down way back when thinking, if this ever happens, you know, I just, and holy shit, it did. So, you know, take that for whatever you want. It's a fact. It's not, it's in the records. Like, we reported it and the police did what they could. But, uh, unfortunately, what a horrible tragedy. And i got to tell you, if I hadn't reported it, I would just be so beside myself. Well, understandably so. Very disturbing. Uh, joining us for more of this story, Catherine McDonald is with us, crime specialist with Global News in Toronto. Catherine, thanks for making uh, some time for us here today. No problem. All right. So you've been pursuing this angle. So what, what more do we know then uh, about what transpired a decade ago involving Mr. Hussein? So we've confirmed that uh, around the same time, you know, that this teacher who we spoke to, I spoke to personally yesterday, uh, he, he did say, as you heard, that this young man was apprehended under the Mental Health Act. He was 21 years old at the time, which is why he was at a high school. Uh, he was doing, like, continuing special education, trying to finish up 
his high school. He had previously been at another school. From what from what I understand, he had to leave that school. Um, uh, and part of the problem, like I can't talk about why he had to leave that school because at that point he was a youth. Uh, and even though he's dead, you know, our lawyers say it's still covered under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. What happened? In any event, he had no record as a as an adult, no criminal record, no outstanding charges, but. But we have learned from police sources that he was well uh, known to Toronto Police because he had been apprehended three times under the Mental Health Act at that very school where that former teacher uh, gave us the interview from. And, and it was in, this, in May and June of 2010, uh, police were called three, three times for what they call an, an emotionally disturbed person. Um, they were called another time uh, to make a violent threat youth assessment. And, and, and that's because uh, Mr. Hussein... Uh, made utterances that made people very uncomfortable, concerned about his own safety and the safety of others. At one point, uh, he actually took a razor blade off a pencil sharpener, like he, he, he cut the blade or he broke the blade off the sharpener, and he cut his face the way the Joker did in the Batman movies. And um, police were told he had an obsession with violent movies, and he fantasized about being these characters sometimes. Today, actually, I've now interviewed a... Um, and I should say, under the Mental Health uh, Act, police, when they apprehend someone who uh, they think may be a threat to themselves or the community, police transfer these people to the hospital. They transport them. But then their hands are tied. They don't do any more. They're not charged criminally. And then it's up to the, the doctors and the medical professionals to decide what to do. They can hold them uh, for 72 hours. They can prescribe them medication. But police say, we don't actually have any, uh, there's no record in our system of what happened. Right. But, they, but they were called to that school three times in 2010. Uh, so, yeah, so there, there were some warning signs around this guy. Now, do, do we know any more than Catherine about what happened to him once he entered the system? Was there any kind of treatment he was receiving, any kind of a diagnosis he might have received? Again, even at the school, they, they said he was in um, special education. They said he was in a program for people with learning disabilities, which is something I had, I had not heard before. Uh, and then I, I just actually finished an interview. Sorry if it sounds loud. It's because I'm in a vehicle. And there's heavy rain here in Toronto. We're just coming back from an interview with a woman um, who actually is an educator. Uh, she has a doctorate in education. And she said about five years, she called us at Global and said, I have a story to tell you. About five years ago, I was actually doing a program in the community. And Faisal Hussein was part of that program. And it was a program to help people prepare to reenter the workforce. And she said it, I, it became quite apparent that it needed to be a life skills course because this is a, a community where a lot of people, you know, don't have the supports. They don't have the family support to know how to prepare for getting a job. So she said the first class, she remembered uh, Faisal was in the back of the class. He was wearing a hoodie. He had his baseball cap on and he was totally disengaged. And she, she said, uh, because she works with people with mental health challenges, she made it her business to try and get him to break out of his shell. And she said by the third class, he was participating. He was active. And by the end of this three-month program, which went once a week for three hours at night, she said he was completely engaged, and she thought he was a real success story. More so, she learned he got a job, and he was going to be working at a supermarket, from what she understood as a stock boy. So she was really quite encouraged. And then she said the following year, the program was ended because the funding was cut at the provincial level, and um, which is, she said, you know, sad. But she said... Um, what saddens her about the case of Faisal Hussein is, yes, he, he died and all these innocent people were killed. It's tragic, she said. But it's the fact that um, there needs to be more supports in the community for people. Like in his case, she said he, he came from a broken family. We know that his, his brother is in a, in a coma. His brother got in trouble with the law and he apparently overdosed uh, and is still in a coma to this day. 
He has a sister who was killed in a car accident, and his father suffers from Parkinson's. So she said, here's a, here's a guy whose family is broken, and he likely wasn't getting the support he needed uh, at home. Well, yeah, and you mentioned his brother's run-ins with the law, and when it comes to the gun itself that was used in this crime, I guess we're starting to establish that there was perhaps some some nexus there, some kind of a, a connection there. What do we know about this gun and how he might have obtained it? So a police source has confirmed with Global News now that this gun that was used in the shooting, and of course he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but it's also believed to be the crime, the gun that he used to... Uh, you know, just fire up the neighborhood and, and, and kill these people and harm many more. Uh, it is a gun that apparently uh, was uh, because they can run a serial number, of course, a serial number. And the serial number matches a gun that was stolen during a break in in Saskatchewan in 2016 at a gun shop. And so now we're trying to find out which gun shop we'd like to talk to the owner of that gun shop. But uh, how did he get the gun? Well, his brother, when he was arrested and was living in Saskatchewan around the same time, he eventually was brought back to Ontario, but it, uh, it, I believe he was, it looks like his brother was out on bail at that time and may have perhaps uh, obtained the gun illegally after the break-in, or you know, I, it's unclear how he got the gun, but it's possible this is a gun that he got uh, because perhaps it was his brother's gun. But I think then at this point we can rule out that, that, that there was any kind of legal purchase by, by Faisal Hussein. He, he did not buy this gun legally. Is that safe to say at this point? Pretty safe to say, given that we now know it's a stolen gun from a break-in in yeah. Saskatchewan. Um, look, we're talking about someone who's a picture emerging of, of someone who was certainly unbalanced, maybe even had a fascination or a preoccup- you know, was preoccupied with, with death and, and destruction. Right. Maybe it would be reasonable that uh, someone like this could, could fall under the spell of a death cult like ISIS or, or start to, to get interested in their propaganda. But, I mean, what do we know about that at this point? We don't, there's been no, uh, no one has been able to confirm that he had, had any connection to a terrorist group or ISIS. However, this, this uh, youth worker, this community worker who met him five years ago, she said, you know, given what we know about him, and his family says he suffers from psychosis and depression, uh, it's very, and she, he, she talked about his isolation and how he alienated himself, because that was where he had a comfort zone. She said, these are the kind of people that fall vulnerable to these groups. Uh, and so she said, you know, while we, there's no proof right now that he was connected to any terror group, uh, it's people like this who are often, uh, who, who can be radicalized and are perhaps most vulnerable because they, they are isolated, they're alone, and they could fall prey to a group looking to bring them in. All right, more details, globalnews.ca. Catherine, thanks for the update here today. Appreciate this. You're welcome. All right, Catherine McDonald, uh, crime specialist with Global News in Toronto, chasing down these uh, various uh, angles to the story. Uh, so some further confirmation on uh, where the gun appears to have come from. Uh, looks as though it was stolen from a, a, a gun store in Saskatoon two years ago. Made its way into uh, uh, criminal circles in the Toronto area. Uh, so at least that's the origin of the gun in terms of uh, the, the chain it went through and ended up in Faisal Hussein's hands. We don't quite know at this point. But yeah, we could probably rule out uh, at this point that there was anything legal about his uh, obtaining or possession of this firearm. Uh, again, still some question around how he knew how to use the gun. Uh, there, there seemed to be some level of proficiency in, in his rampage. So still some questions around that. And again, obviously questions around what, what interest, of any, he had in uh, extremist uh, Islamic propaganda and ideology. You know, certainly as Catherine said, somebody like this who was uh, unbalanced who was maybe preoccupied or fascinated with, uh, with death or murder, 
uh, could could easily fall into this. But the evidence we have at this point is is rather thin about any kind of a, a connection there. More on that may still emerge, of course, and nobody's ruling that out. But I think the picture here, the broader picture here, is this this was a very disturbed person. There, there were a lot of warning signs about. I think for whatever reason, there, there wasn't enough done to, to help him deal with whatever he was dealing with. And I don't think it's, it's unreasonable to point that out and say, you know, could all of this been avoided? Can we prevent people who are perhaps likely to carry out these kinds of things from, from doing so? Can we prevent people who might fall into to that uh, radicalization trap from going down that path? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.